In the name of God who has made us and who loves us and keeps us. Amen. You may be seated. This year, I resolve to remember birthdays better. I resolve to knit a sweater that actually fits. I resolve to eat healthier and to learn how to brew a perfect cup of tea, which has so far eluded me. I resolve to walk every day, most days, more days than last year anyway. I'm really not any different than most Americans when it comes to making New Year's resolutions or when it comes to breaking them. One article I read reported that only 12% of us actually succeed in keeping our resolutions. The top 10 list of best intentions, according to an online poll, includes fitness, diet, spending more time with family and friends, and trying something new. Maybe those sound familiar to you this year. Other popular resolutions are getting out of debt or traveling more, uncluttering, and being more charitable in every sense of that word. I still have the list of New Year's resolutions that students in my chapel classes made when I was serving as chaplain at St. Andrew's Lower School. I'm going to be nicer to my sister, one child declared as I helped them write down or draw their intentions. I want to learn to ride a bike, another decided. I'm going to hug my mommy every day. I'm going to go to gymnastics. And then one of them said, I'm going to keep not eating Brussels sprouts. <laughs> and I suspect he had no trouble keeping that resolution, <laughs> but that's not really how they're supposed to work, is it? Resolutions are about changes that we hope to make, goals that we have yet to attain, ideals that we intend to make in some way real. Resolutions shouldn't be set too lofty. I resolve to knit 20 sweaters, but neither should we set them too low so that in keeping them, we're just doing what we were going to do anyway. Here at the turning of this year, at the turning of a decade that is still just 12 days old, when tradition encourages us to imagine the possibilities that lie ahead, many of us have resolved to make good on things that we believe will make our lives better, or happier, or healthier. And some resolutions I hope will keep and keep well losing the weight or reorganizing the closet, finally planting a garden or learning a new skill. But others we know, other resolutions are going to get away from us as January gives way to June. And it will likely take another new year to make us take them up again. There is good news, though, really good gospel news. Not even a week after New Year's, we celebrated right here the great Feast of Epiphany, 
when in the words of one poet, heaven pulsed its once in a world timelight through the darkness and weariness of creation to lead us all to something that was new, something filled with possibilities, something filled with wonder. We celebrated not just a new year, but a new life who would grow up and show us all a new way of living, a new way of understanding just how much God loved us, just how much God desired to be with us, just how present God is in this world. For God so loved the world. It was new. It was filled with possibility. It was wonderful when love came down in Jesus Christ. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, and became all of what it means to be fully human. Flesh and bone and breath and heartbeat all bound up together with heaven living as one before the fall, another preacher marvels, Jesus offered us a glimpse of what God intends for us. If only we can embrace those intentions. So here, when the year is still brand new, on the first Sunday following Epiphany's star bright night, we celebrate the feast of Jesus's baptism. We remember how Jesus stood drenched in Jordan River water and the Holy Spirit, and a voice from heaven said of his flesh and bones and breath, his body and heart and spirit, this is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. In God's spirit, like a dove descending on him, in that voice, Jesus would have seen and heard echoes of God's word spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. And Jesus, dripping wet, would have known what followed next in that prophet's song. He knew that God's servant, God's chosen, God's son, was to bring forth justice, to be a light, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out those who sit in darkness. And from that day forward, Jesus resolved to pray, to heal, to teach, to touch, to welcome, to embrace, to love as much as humanly possible and more, to love as God loves. And on baptismal feast days, such as this one, we bring to the water's edge those who will enter it. Emmanuel, whose name means God with us, and Empress and Adair, and we will, with them, renew our own baptismal covenants, remembering that in baptism we are buried with Jesus and raised to new life as his body, his heart and soul, his flesh and bones and breath and hearts and hands are ours. We become his servant-shaped body 
with many, many members. We remember and recommit to the resolutions that we made or that were made on our behalf just before we were once drenched in water and the Holy Spirit. Will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in the prayers? Will you persevere in resisting evil and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? Oh, grant that we may keep this covenant that we have made. We prayed just a moment ago in the collect at our beginning of our worship. Grant that we may keep this covenant we have made. We need God's help, and we know it. Already in this new year, in this new decade that is so filled with possibility, our world is drenched in doubt and despair. Storms and earthquakes and wildfires have devastated homes and habitats. Many nations, including ours, are deeply divided over issues of social justice, the use and abuse of political power and the accumulation and distribution of wealth. Violence and threat of war have already claimed innocent lives. We are witnesses of these things and many more besides, things that threaten to break already bruised reeds, that threaten to quench our already dimly burning wicks, things that seem to be resolved against good news against love, against injustice, against justice and peace and respect and dignity. But we're not alone in that. Of all the disciples who ever wavered in their faith, surely Peter was the most acquainted with losing one's resolve. More than once we find him drenched in doubt and despair, despite having had Bless him the very best of intentions. On the morning, though, that he sloshed ashore to have breakfast on the beach with Jesus after the resurrection, he learned from his risen Lord love's true meaning. Do you love me? Jesus asked. And when Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know I do, Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And from that day forward, Peter resolved to pray, to heal, to teach, to touch, to welcome, to embrace, to love as much as humanly possible, and more, to love with God's help. And you know, Peter will go on to announce in the book of Acts, you know how Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, Peter proclaimed. We were chosen by God and commanded to preach and testify. And by his word and example, 
by the word and example of all those disciples, those who had seen and heard the good news of God in Christ, and they shared it, then others were able to see and hear. And the story of salvation has been remembered so many generations later that now we are those witnesses. We are the ones who by our word and example, by our bold sharing of what we have seen and heard, proclaim the love of God in Jesus Christ. We let others see and hear him in us. So what will we look like this year? What will we sound like in our lives and in our life together as the body of Christ at St. Andrews, the cathedral in the city? How will we bear witness to the good news, the gospel news of love, of new life, of new possibilities? What does it mean for us to be servant-shaped here and now, not just in our own lives, but together as a community of faith, not just in who we have been, but in who we are becoming. And maybe you've already chosen some resolution for this year, as I have, and maybe we'll all be in that 12% who follow through with our best intentions, We'll send those birthday cards and knit those sweaters and be nicer to our sisters and brothers and eat or not eat those Brussels sprouts. Maybe we'll keep the covenant that we have made and that we will make again right here today. But if it all gets away from us, somehow, we won't be alone. We'll be in good company, not only with the rest of the 78% of us who are, after all, only human, but also, always, we will be in the company of Christ who meets us in this water, in whom we are all of us one body, one community, bound together not by judgment, but by mercy, not by condemnation, but by forgiveness, not by fear but by hope. And so to all of those resolutions out there, and especially these, will you seek? Will you serve? Will you strive? Will you persevere? Will you love? With those who are about to speak on behalf of Emmanuel and Empress and Adair, with those who spoke for us at our baptisms and with those who stand beside us right now, right here as we all renew our baptismal covenant and every time we gather at this font, to all of those resolutions, will you seek, will you serve, will you strive, will you persevere, will you love? Let us say once again, we know the words, I will with God's help. Amen.